Why do you want to learn a new language? Where would you use it and how would it come in handy? This is what I'm asking myself every single day. Even if I'm not planning on going on a trip where I need to use a new language, I'm just like, my brain needs to stay alive. My brain needs to stay active. And there's only so many crossword puzzles I can do in one week. And that's why exactly. I just feel like putting my mind to the test would just be using Rosetta Stone to improve my language skills. And I'm always like idealizing Oh, I want to learn Francais. So when I go to Francais, I can speak French <laughs> with the person in You go to Quebec. <laughs> but really, I'm speaking I'm speaking on a like dream level, which is also great. Use Rosetta Stone to learn the language of a place you're dreaming of visiting. But also practically, it makes more sense for me to learn Spanish. And if I'm gonna learn Spanish, I'm gonna do it on Rosetta Stone. That's amazing. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, and they have 25 languages offered. You have fast language acquisition because they immerse you in the language. There aren't English translations, so you really learn to speak. You listen. You think in the language of Rosetta Stone, and it has an intuitive process, so you pick up the language naturally. First words, then phrases, then sentences, which means it's designed for long-term retention. And the app has a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like <laughs> having a personal trainer for your accent. It's very helpful, okay? That was good. That was good. Thank it's, you. It's convenient. There's an amazing value. You can get a lifetime membership and just have every single language, all 25 languages you can have for your lifetime, and you can just work through them as long as you're alive. That's kind of an iconic mm -hmm. goal to have. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Who Weekly listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash who. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash who today. You will say Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And we have actual breaking news, huge news, major news, game-changing news. It broke yesterday, but... The breaking news is that the breakup is over. Liam Payne and Maya Henry are back are together back after calling together. off engagement. <laughs> yes, we stand this random ass couple. I have to be rude to you really quickly. I Well, maybe it's not even rudeness, but like okay. yesterday when I sent you the link and I was like, I can't believe it. That's crazy. And you were like, I knew they would get back together. I did. Can you please explain yourself? Why did you know this would happen? Because when they broke up, the reasoning was like so sad. Do you remember he was like... I really fucked up. I regret it. Remember, he was he was so on that like, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, I'm, I wasn't being a good man. I want to be a bit like his the way that he spoke about it was like, I care for this person. And like, I did something wrong. And I was like, whether or not she's high maintenance, which she probably is like from her literally entire life's history, uh, <laughs> like as evidence, I do feel like. He from that he really loved her and like knew that he'd fucked up in some very specific mm -hmm. fixable way. You know, mm -hmm. and this report was like, oh, they've been spending time together by him, also by her. And it feels very like because it's not confirmed. It's just it's kind of rumored because they. it's been. from an insider. Yeah. But I do feel like when a couple like this breaks up like that, maybe the maybe the fiance title was too quick and they needed just to slow down and like spend some time together. It just felt very. What, Lindsay? <laughs> Lindsay, were you the unresolved. insider? <laughs> I mean, I know. It just felt very. I just feel like feel they like... needed to slow down and spend time together. We hear of so many couples that are like, 
uh, there was betrayal or, was too much, you too know, fast. yeah, like mm-hmm. distance, <laughs> like that really can't be resolved at this point in time. But these two felt like very, it felt yeah. like it wasn't yeah. over. Mm-hmm. Like that Katy Perry song that was underrated. According to the insider, they are living together in England. Remember, Maya Henry is a Texas hometown girl. They're living together in England, but aren't putting pressure on the wedding or engagement yet. Because imagine the wedding. I mean, if her quinceanera was literally worthy of being made a, tel- a reality show about mm-hmm. it, like, imagine the the pressure of this wedding, you know, like right. her freaking father, right? And now the what this One Direction the the idea of getting it in all these magazines i'm just sure it's insane right and mm-hmm. it probably sucks on like for both of them i was reading this on e news which is the place that broke the story and i noticed on the right it says trending stories none of them are really all that interesting but number 5 is why connie britton is worried her son watches too much disney channel <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to click it i'm not going to click it but Oh, maybe I should click it. Yeah, you shouldn't click that. Why would you I click that? I shouldn't click it. I'm not going to click yeah, it. Don't click that. You're listening to Who's There with the call and show where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619-WHO-THEM. Let's start with some comments. Hi, Who Weekly. Long time, long time. So I just finished listening to the last episode, and while Googling around to find out more about Ben Yusuf, um, there's a Daily Mail exclusive that has been published in the last six hours that is unlock in love that Sandra Lee's new fiance is still married to his wife of six years and he's going through a very contentious divorce about their uh, custody of their five-year-old twins. And apparently a friend of the still current wife says that Ben is an opportunist um, who is so proud to be dating a celebrity. And so I am so curious how Sandra Lee will pivot away from this. Also, I'm dying to know how he bought her huge engagement ring, unless it's a cubic zirconia, because it, when you zoom in on the picture of them in Paris, the rock on her finger is horrifically large, like a full knuckle. Anyways, good form, crunch, crunch. I mean, the, the obvious option here is she bought it. There's no... The obvious this, option is she And also, it. I feel yes. like this is happens... More often than you think, you know? I'm not willing to remove Sandra's agency from this equation. She seems pretty smart and savvy, to be honest. I'm just saying, whether or not this guy's an opportunist, she took the opportunity to have him propose and say yes at exactly exactly the right time. I just feel like, you know, whether or not these two stay together or they get, you know, break up soon after or maybe they get married for a year and break up after that, she still won out the Cuomo. Who cares about Ben exactly. He's probably pretty nice to her. Cuomo is the demon here. Like, she's trying to freaking one-up him, although it's not hard to one-up Cuomo right now. But I'm just saying, like, for this situation, it seems like this guy's pretty messy, But she might know all of this already, you know? Yeah. It was kind of the unspoken stuff. It's like, oh, he had this kind of normie wife and he had some kids and now he's with Sandra Lee. Like, "Mm, fill in the blank. But I feel like if we're capable of seeing this and saying fill in the blank, so is Sandra Lee. I, I I would say like, 
oh, this poor woman's getting duped if it wasn't her and if it wasn't this specific situation and timing, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're right, I think the ring actually is more evidence. Like, Right, she can't afford it. (laughs) Yeah, he's not like, surprise, here's this really expensive ring I obviously can't afford. And it's not cubic zirconia. she, She had to figure out she got him she got him the ring to give to her you know no semi-homemade does not apply to jewelry with sandra lee like <laughs> semi-homemade well like, it's a, if it's a lab-grown diamond it could uh, be no her rings are coming from you know geological pressure i know sandra lee is told oh i i wish i could buy you a ring i just can't afford it and she's like that's okay i'm quite rich <laughs> you know i'm actually very she rich. literally pulls out one of those like uncut gems from uncut gem and she's like i've been ho- i've been saving this for this moment and like brings it to the jeweler and they like cut it down for her and then he made ben uh you know one of her delicious semi-homemade cakes this is really funny so the daily mail this came out after we recorded the episode And it's a Daily Mail exclusive. Obviously, they made the awkward phone calls. So you read this. Exclusive. Unlucky in love. Sandra Lee's new fiancé is still married to wife of six years and fighting for custody of twins. As friends say, he's an opportunist to boast about dating ex-governor of sex pest, Governor Cuomo. Okay? So you're like, well, how do we know that he's still married? Did they actually talk to his wife? (laughs) And this line, (laughs) this line... When contacted by DailyMail.com, April confirmed, quote, yes, Ben and I are still married. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you know? Why don't you, why don't you marry her? And it's like, he's already married to her. <laughs> she also said, we are going through a divorce and I wish Ben and Sandra the best of luck. Right. But I have nothing right. more to say. That's a very commendable statement. He's not cheating on her. The woman is aware that this that her current husband, who she's in a current separation with, is being photographed with Sandra Lee. But I just think that this is like more of a everybody knows situation because she's so matter of fact when they call her. She's like, yep. Okay, yes. bye. You know. And I, I feel like it actually truly is sexist to be like, this guy's taking advantage of her. When to me, the power dynamic is Sandra has all yeah. the power. And right. she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play with this guy's heart for six months and get the best press of my life while my shitbag ex is getting lambasted by the press right. and the public. Right. And yeah. then after I'm done playing with this guy's heart, I'm going to dump him. You know, like maybe she's playing with him. We have no reason to believe that Sandra's being hoodwinked. And no. <laughs> until we have the evidence, I mean, I guess even her coming out and people being like, I was hoodwinked would still not convince <laughs> me that she was hoodwinked. Sorry. But we just have no, we have no, <laughs> you can't believe that with all the evidence to the contrary. That would straight cover up be people, the people cover. I was hoodwinked. I was hoodwinked. <laughs> You picking it up at the grocery store at Associated nope. being like, mm, nope. I don't, don't think so, babe. I read all the evidence. <laughs> Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. Okay, next call. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. I called earlier this morning when I was like half asleep about Camilla Kendra um, possibly hooking up with Lewis Hamilton. And that's why she and Tyler Cameron broke up. Um, and I just found this Us Weekly article about it, actually. And in it, she says that the Instagram story that she posted from Lewis Hamilton's house, which, like, explicitly features something engraved with the last name Hamilton, so, like, it's very obviously his house. Um, she insists that it was a, an Instagram story posted later, that she, like, had had this picture on deck and posted it later, and that she actually visited Lewis Hamilton's house with Tyler Cameron. Um, 
which is interesting. No word on whether she actually wore the plaid shirt that she was also photographed wearing. She has a lucrative career in being messy, and for that, I, I may have to stand grateful for Camilla. So this caller was talking about Camilla Kendra, who is a legend. You a legend her. who is an instant legend. You who knew was she'd be dating amazing. Tyler. Oh my God! You could tell. You could see it in her eyes. You could see it in her whole entire like social vibe. So Camilla Kendra was dating Tyler Cameron. Who I didn't know she was like a sexy model type. I thought she sexy was just kind model. of a woman. Yeah, Nancy, she's, she's like a, a... she has a lucrative career. She said yeah. this. She established right. this. Right. So after she dumped Tyler Cameron, the rumor mill started to churn in that she was dating Lewis Hamilton, who we've talked about on the show because he is a hunky race car driver who is always getting news about like potentially dating another celebrity another woman and remember he had like rumors that he was dating rihanna like he's also like probably one of the richer athletes if because it's a sport what he does like in the entire world which is what because of the way that car racing works and sponsorships like he's Mm -hmm. just extraordinarily rich yeah Mm -hmm. and he's english he's like a come on my yacht guy you know like whoever he meets and like come on my yacht he's hot he's rich He's young and he's successful and he's talented. Blah blah blah. So, Sounds like an Ariana Grande song. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So there are these he's rumors hot, that the he's reason rich, he's young, he's successful. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, to answer the the caller's question, which isn't even a question, Camilla, after this whole spat with Tyler Cameron, there were all these rumors that Camilla was dating Lewis Hamilton. Okay, and Camilla instantly shot them down she said camilla and lewis while her rep camilla and lewis are absolutely not dating they are just friends and nothing more but people were like well what about these two very funny pieces of photographic evidence one of them you are in his house we can tell because we zoomed into a reflection in the mirror and we saw his trophy there that said lewis hamilton on it and another one you're wearing his plaid shirt it's lewis's shirt we've seen him wearing that shirt and she's like Listen, it's actually Tyler's shirt. And the photos are quote unquote old, which like I do feel like we could debunk, not we, but like you could debunk the when the photos were taken a- mm-hmm. uh, question. Mm-hmm. But no one has. The insider also said that her visit with Lewis was alongside her ex. She was with Cameron 28 as well as her brother when they saw each other. Quote, she was not staying alone with Lewis at his house, the source added. And all of this is believable to me. Like, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, if you were dating if you were dating Lewis Hamilton, you would want people to know, I would think. I also would love, like, other photos. Did anyone take any photos of Tyler at Lewis's house with Lewis? Where are the other photos? I mean, if you mm-hmm. could prove it, prove it, you know? Anyway, I believe her. I believe Camilla. She's a legend. Why would she lie to us? I believe her. But if tomorrow it's like she's dating Lewis Hamilton, I'd be like, sips. No, I wouldn't even sip. I'd say, oh, their friendship turned into something romantic. Good for them. <laughs> I think Tyler Cameron's camp is trying to villainize her to sell this book and to keep his image squeaky. Right, to give her the villain at it. Exactly. So I do think that they'll do anything to like confirm this, but we'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Lindsay and Bobby, um, I am losing my shit because this article came out in the ringer about mike richards and uh he seems like a total piece of shit the new he's the new jeopardy host seems like a total piece of shit and i am seeing all these tabloids saying oh he apologizes for his insensitive remarks on his podcast 
that he had years ago, or just reducing his comments to, like, they're sexist, not talking about any of the race or class things. Sorry, I'm just really upset at the way the tabloids or various things are framing this, and um, I was wondering if you could talk about it, or maybe it wouldn't be fun to talk about. All right, thanks for letting me back. Bye. So this caller is talking about the new revelations about Mike Richards, the guy who stole <laughs> I mean, the Jeopardy host job away from LeVar Burton. Wow, having a podcast is a bad idea if you're an asshole. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I'm sorry. Like, it's idiotic to put yourself on the mic every week and stay your, state your opinions if you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. This guy could have had his Jeopardy job. I mean, you obviously women, it's so like, great that he mic. doesn't. Right. If It's so great that he do- he won't. There's no way he's going to survive this. There's no way he's keeping this job. I think it's already in motion to get rid of him. But it's just crazy to me that you as a – like he set himself up for failure because he was an asshole and like went on the mm-hmm. mic and said bullshit. The point is, we obviously didn't know this when we were talking about the whole Jeopardy thing. I still kind of stand behind my, like, you know, that show is more about the contestants and the game itself. But a lot of people did call and say, like, you know, Alex Trebek was so comforting. There really was. He really was a big part of it. He really, he was important to the show. But, like, I just don't think there's another one of him. So, you know, the options that they chose were obviously, like, very shitty because both of them were controversial for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, Maya and Bialik is not a great choice either, but this is obviously just beyond a bad choice for many reasons. Didn't he also like supposedly like do fake focus groups that like chose him or something? Well, they weren't fake. Everything that we're talking about is coming from this ringer story by Claire McNear and Yes, she wrote this, she published it, but my favorite comment on Claire's story is this tweet from Alexandra Roberts, which is, is Mike Richards the next Trebek? Clearly no. But is he a fan favorite who will do a passable job hosting Jeopardy? Also no. Is he at least a good guy? Uh, Turns out no. Okay, but can we say he won this job fair and square? Unfortunately, no, we cannot say that either. Because it's like, this is one of those stories where it just keeps getting worse. There's no reason, yeah. Also, I just feel like as somebody who you're going to put yourself in the spotlight, baby, you better be like buckled up. Like this took two minutes for this to come out, you know, and all Mm. they had to do was listen to a bunch of podcasts. I just feel very much like this guy is stupid on top of being a fucking piece of shit, you know? Yes. And there are like really good details in this piece, but I can give you the Cliff's Notes version, which is that. Yeah. So he had this podcast called, oh God, I just wrote it like, down. It, like, I'm an asshole. Random, the Random Show. No, did it's it with not friend, called the Random. random. <laughs> R-A-N-D-U-M-B. And he had it for a few years in like 2013, 2014. Anyway, wow, that's early where he said. Before us. Before, before us. Before Who Weekly. All right. That's where he said, he said racist stuff. He said sexist stuff. He said things against like disabled people he yeah. said anti-semitic stuff as Lindsay noted in pig latin which is just like a new form I don't of this even it's just like i can't deal with you... this yeah of course you can see all the terrible things that he said so that's on record right we have the audio of him saying these terrible things right so that's one part of this this is that's only that's only one piece of the this guy sucks puzzle like to be fair that's enough right yeah. like that's to be a, fair, that, it's in, enough. in this in this day and age that's enough right but it's not all. It's enough to galvanize the public who 
watches this yes. show and cares about this show to say, you know what? We don't want this guy. We not only don't want him, right. we won't watch the show if he's hosting. But it gets worse. So he releases this apology and he's like, you know, that's not who I am anymore. I feel sorry for these insensitive statements that I made. And then as the Ringer story goes on to explain, we reveal this other chapter of his career, which is when he worked at The Price is Right. And when he worked at The Price is Right, there were all these complaints lodged against him for like sexual harassment and terrible behavior, right? Specifically misogynistic behavior. And so it's like, he allegedly fired a pregnant model. He was like, I got to make the model sexier. He just behaved in ways that were made a lot of people around him, specifically women, uncomfortable, right? And fired one of them for being pregnant, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Anyway, then as the tweet explains, it gets even worse because they talk about the focus groups and this line i mean this took me out because i had already been taken out so many times and then we have this for example much has been made of sony's use of analytics to identify a front runner and they at one point they point out that like when ken jennings filmed his episodes he filmed for many many weeks but lavar burton had to record all of his episodes in one day so he kind of didn't get a fair shot anyway richard says we want to go at this with real analytics and real testing and not just go, hey, how about this guy? He said this to the Wall Street Journal. Indeed, this studio called out this element in its announcement of Richards and Bialik, who Sony TV chairman Ravi Ohuja said, quote, we're both at the top of our research and analysis. On Saturday, the New York Times reported that Richards alone selected the episodes that were sent to the focus groups for review. The show's two supervising producers, Lisa Broffman and Ricky Schmidt, who are in their fourth decade working on the show, were excluded from the process. When the no. ringer asked about the Times focus group report, no. neither Sony nor Richards offered the comment so it seems like he was skewing the focus group and data to work in his favor too so it's just like everything about him sucks <laughs> yeah i know he like yeah right that's like top that's to what bottom that, that's what that tweet is essentially summing up it's like it's like you thought that was bad turns out he's also bad like <laughs> like he's also a cheater people did suspect that his insider kind of st status in this whole thing was kind of a fucked up we called that out in the episode it was just right. it's one of those very obvious things where like the moment you see it you're like something about this doesn't add up everyone thought that but that and i think that's why obviously why claire mcnear was like i have to look into this and i mean this is published what a week after the announcement it clearly didn't take her long to figure this out <laughs> you know but okay anyways yeah this this sucks i feel bad for jeopardy fans this is this is worthless I am sorry. you know have you ever seen White Men Can't Jump? Yeah. Rosie Perez's subplot in that movie is she's studying for Jeopardy <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> this volcano's eruption buried the city of Pompeii in 79 AD. Gloria. What is Mount Suvius? Ooh, I better get a ruling on that one. Our judges indicate that that's close enough. Select again. Yeah. All right, let's go with the foods that start with the letter Q, please. That's also a very good Golden Girls episode I where Dorothy is studying for Jeopardy the entire time. And at one point, she like studies everything in the house, including Rose's high school yearbook. Someone okay. called and was like, how do you guys know so many people who have been on Jeopardy? And I was like, honestly, think about it. The show is on seven days a week or whatever. Five, seven, seven. Mm -hmm. And there are five Four contestants per episode. Three? How many episodes per contestant? Three per episode. Five times a week. And the show's been running for 400 years. Do the math. That's the whole world. <laughs> Do the math. Hey, Lindsay and Bobby. Matthew Morrison just got cast in the Annie musical. Just kidding. But imagine if he did. I mean, this is right up his alley. Um, you know, it, you're talking about a chaotic person. I mean, that Grinch musical, like, I hope I never have to say that again. Um... 
But, I mean, imagine Matthew Morrison and then, like, all those other people like Taraji and um, uh, Nicole and all them. It would just, you know, I don't know if it would work or not, but it would bring it down pretty quick. Crunch Crunch, uh, women belong in Shauna's blooms. Okay, this is a... (laughs) This is a perfect goal for many reasons, but unfortunately, my brain is so broken that I have to reason you out of this, which is, yes, I could see Matthew Morrison being in Annie Live, but the parts that he could play and he would play are already They're taken. Gone. They're gone. So, like, he could not be, <laughs> unless he was like, I'm playing an orphan, and they were like, all right, because he did do makeup for Grinch, so he's down for some for some face makeup. He's down for prosthetics. I don't, and unless he or unless he plays Sandy, I don't think that he is going to be in this because the parts that again the parts that he would play are are taken sadly. And right, I also right. do think these uh-huh. live musicals try not to repeat. People. And he's already done Grinch, yeah. And he did Grinch, which was unbelievably difficult to watch. Not just because of him, because what even is that musical? I want to see how many people here that Colin are actually like fooled into thinking he was cast because the caller does a good job being like <laughs> Matthew Morrison was cast in a live. Just kidding. He wasn't. But what if he was? <laughs> the caller had no business maintaining their composure during their call. And yet. <laughs> okay, let's move on to questions. Okay. I love my Helix mattress. I love my Helix pillow. What else is there to say about Helix? I freaking love it. <laughs> What when I sleep to, on other beds, what is there I else get to say mad. is that I come back to my bed and I'm like, this is the bed. This is the bed. And it's honestly spoiled me for other beds. And I don't like traveling sometimes because I'm like, this is not my bed. Where's my bed? I want I've my bed. It, I've made it's it's my special bed. It's my special mattress because it is a mattress that is made for my body. Mm-hmm. I took the Helix quiz. It told me which Helix mattress to get. And that's the one I got. And that's the one that I love. And that's yes. the one that I will not stop mm-hmm. using because it's the best mattress I've ever slept on. Mm-hmm. The mattress is so good that when we got it, my cat Winston became obsessed with it. And now he's on it all the time. And I'm no like, way. you have to move because no I way. need to sleep on the bed. It's my bed. It's not your bed. Wow. He's obsessed with it. It's wow. irritating, actually. Wow. He likes okay. the Helix rude. so much. So rude. Everybody is unique, and I mean everybody, two words, because everyone sleeps differently, their bodies are different, and that's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific seat positions and feel preferences. I'm a side sleeper slash stomach sleeper. Some people are back sleepers. Some people are exclusively side sleepers. There's a Helix mattress for all of you. Not only is the Helix the best mattress I've ever slept on, the setup was fast and easy. Their mattresses are delivered in a box and straight to your door. You just open it up and it like kind of like blows back up after it comes out of the plastic and you put it on your bed and it's amazing. Plus, Helix mattresses all come with a 10 or 15 year warranty depending on the model. And if you don't want to take our word for it, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash who. That's helixsleep.com slash who. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hi, Bobby and Lindsay. Short time, first time. I'm responding to your uh, Twitter question, asking for a lawyer to comment on Anderson Pack's tattoo. Um, Although it does seem pretty definitive, and it would be a great will if it were a will, he would need two witnesses to sign it um, in most states for the will to be effective. So I think if he got two witnesses to tattoo his arm, he might have a case. Um, but that would be up to his 
you know, the executor of his will to decide at the end of the day. All right. Thank you. Crunch, crunch. Thank you so much for calling about that. Like we, we tweeted about this Anderson Park tattoo on our Twitter feed, obviously. And because he has a tattoo that says, let me pull up the actual tattoo. It's underneath a tattoo he has of Animal from the Muppets. Iconic. And it says, when I'm gone, please don't release any posthumous albums or songs with my name attached. Those were just demos and never intended to be heard by the public. Okay, and it's in a very official font. It's in a serif. It's in a demanding font. Yeah, it's the fucking Declaration of Independence over here. (laughs) But I'm just saying, like, I think it's so funny that he he didn't stop at the first part of the sentence, you know? Mm -hmm. Because, Mm -hmm. like... Again, this is not a legally binding document, so like you really, so it's kind of irrelevant what you write to make the point of it all. Obviously, it's a, it's a, he's making a statement. It's an, it's kind of almost an art piece, you know, to tattoo this upon on your body, right? Like my body of work dies with me. There is a little bit of a something exactly. there that I that I feel is like, oh, it's cool. It's like a little poetic in that way, and it makes sense for him, but. Mm-hmm. As a legally binding document, I think he knows it's not one, which is fine. And as this lawyer says, you do need two witnesses. If they signed his arm and he tattooed them on, maybe that would work a little bit better. I'm I'm not going to doubt that he doesn't have the paperwork to match this, the actual paperwork. But it is funny to Mm -hmm. make it like as long as it is because it takes up a lot of his arm when you know that it's not actually a legally binding document. (laughs) I was laughing because um, something that, of course... I saw immediately because my feed is just the algorithm is just it hates me. It wants mm-hmm. me to die. It surfaced Lana Del Rey, who had posted this tattoo and said, Anderson, uh, wheat emoji, heart emoji. <laughs> I don't know why she put the wheat emoji in the heart mm-hmm. emoji. She wrote, it's in my will, but it's also on his tattoo. And I'm like, Lana, honey, we're talking about uh, demos and songs that were that are unreleased. I don't know if you, know if you're in the your place problem to is be theft. making these demands. <laughs> Lana, your problem is theft. You are you have to be worried about grave robbers, n- not people releasing your songs posthumously. <laughs> grave robbers, stop! That's awful. The like knowing rod, Lana, she would die. Her. You know, she dies. She'd exceed her life expectancy. She dies at ninety. All of her demos go with her in the coffin. They all get stolen instantly. All these hard drives. They're like the Paul Bearers are like, why is this grave so heavy? And they and everyone's like, hard drives. <laughs> Some like ninety year old grungy, disgusting millennial is like, yeah, I took her hard drives out. I put them all on my Tumblr, and it's like, yep, we all knew this was gonna happen. Like, there's also all- <laughs> like people call, but you know, thank you to all the lawyers who called, and you know, other people who called and said, you know, it really is more up to the rights of like who owns the music, the record mm-hmm. company, blah blah blah. And of course, that's the case too. I think he's this. I think Anderson Pock writes his own music and stuff, so it's there is more of his own self ownership or like ownership yeah. of stuff. And I think because it's unreleased music, it hasn't really gone through the system. This is stuff that's like in his own private, you know, archives or whatever. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to be. I think it's also because you have a lot of posthumous records coming out recently. You have Pop Smoke, you have Prince coming out with an album. You have like, this is not, this is very much a thing. You have the fight over the Whitney, uh, Whitney Houston hologram that's been going on for years mm-hmm. and years. It's like, it's not really like a necessarily a cute look. I think the fight sometimes over the it can music. be. Yeah, you I know? think it can sometimes be nice, but I think also a lot of the time it looks it's gross. It's pretty gross, and I can understand why an artist would say like, you know, count me out of that. Like, I mean, I, you know, I don't, fucking, I don't need this. 
fucking Harper Lee's other book, you know? The book that was never supposed fucking to come out. Harper Lee's you know? other book. Yeah. The book that is not actually a sequel and the book where Atticus is like, right. not that great. And everyone's like, yikes, we didn't need to read this. There's a reason this was in a fucking safe. Exactly. So there's a lot of... There's a lot like going on here, but the question was, is this a legally binding document on his arm? And the answer is no. I liked even when when the lawyers, when the girlies came out, when the legal girlies came out and they were like actually discussing it in our mentions. I love and that. there was one lawyer who said The legal girlies, all my future representation in my uh in my class action lawsuit against uh T B D. I don't even understand this, but still it seems like the answer is no. So one lawyer, quote, tweeted us saying, can we get a lawyer to call in and explain whether or not this would hold up in court? And one lawyer, Maria S., responded, not signed, can't be a holographic right, will. That's and what... then someone named Michael responded, correct. But if the will allows for a memo instructing the executor to be included as guidance, it would count as a memo, common in Texas. But <laughs> even like here, it's sort of it. up it's in the like, air, leaning love... towards no. God, lawyers are so funny. It's like, uh, yeah, but in a cross section four two, you actually could protest this without examination. And it's like, oh my god, you guys like truly are in your own zone. Proud of you. <laughs> Proud of you. <laughs> um, is Anderson Paco? Who are them? Do we even? I mean, we're talking about this. You tweeted about we're it. Ta- you, we're talking about it. Yeah, I think it's hard. The only reason I'm willing to call him a who is because of his relationship with Bruno Mars, who was inarguably a them, and I think Bruno Mars makes him the who in comparison. <laughs> also, the idea that they're not Anderson Paco and Bruno Mars—they're like silk stockings or whatever. What's it silk called? Silk stockings. Yeah. S- no, it's not Silk Stockings. That's the TV show. Uh, Silk Sonic. Silk Sonic. Silk yeah. Sonic. Sorry. Silk Sonic. <laughs> Silk just, Sonic. You were willing just to let that fly. I was like, yeah, Anyways. Silk Stockings. Uh-huh. Like, no, Silk I, Sonic. I do think it's cool that they made, you know, the, like, this was like when Mark Ronson and Diplo were like, we're going to be some band, Silk Shocker, like whatever they're called, like same, weirdly, like some similar name. But mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure for these two that says, like, that they're, I don't think that reflects on their name, you know, their who or them is. Even though Anderson Pock is arguably a them, getting a tattoo with court demands on it is who we, <laughs> and getting attention is. for it. Okay. It definitely is. It definitely is. But it is one of those things where other artists like Lana Del Rey will be like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Cat Power commented, wow. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just want to say Cat Power commented, Cat wow. Power who? Cat Power who? I know. Um, wow. Cat Power Wow. wow. But also, I think this is a tongue-in-cheek tattoo. Like, no, I. That's why I think it's. Yeah, more of a, he believes this. He wants this, but it's art. Yeah, he wants no, this. No, I really but it's think art. that it's art. And also, I think that Silk. I just want to put it out there that Silk Sonic, whose name I'm still, I, I'm always forgetting, but I know it's the two of them. I think they're so good. The two songs they've put out are so good and so in the sweet spot of like culture in terms of like what people want to hear like weddings and stuff and just dance to and have a great time when they put out that album timeless song it's over he's them like when like this is like i think they're gonna have a huge album they are very very smart to do this because they know the doors open huge huge these songs this silk sonic album for as much as people are going to groan about it is going to make them money for the rest of their lives. (laughs) Like, this is the album where the royalty streams, the revenue stream is just endless. 
I mean, I just feel like I don't even think people are going to groan. I think they're just going to be like, I love this. But yeah, it's like, you know, it is certainly Ed Sheeran adjacent in terms of like straight up wedding music, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's fun. It's great. These two are like incredibly good performers. So every time they perform it live, you're like, fuck, like Bruno Mars is that good, you know? Anyways. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Bobby. Um, so I recently saw a post about the Met Gala on Laney Gossip, and it was basically saying that um, A-list celebrities are starting to not really want to go because essentially it's become too hooey. And this has been my suspicion for a number of years, really about five years or so, um, as a longtime follower of the Met Gala. And I was just curious if you guys agree with that take and agree with that assessment because it does kind of seem like the who to them ratio has gone way up in recent years to the point where there's entire group photos that I don't recognize anybody in. Um, anyway, it kind of just seems like this is such an iconic institution and an iconic event. And um, yeah, it just makes me really sad that it's losing its um, draw if that's in fact true. So would love to hear your take. Um, yeah. Love you guys. Crunch, crunch. Bye. This is so interesting. It's interesting, but I think it's also just like... I think the COVID stuff is getting all messed up in this, though. The COVID stuff is definitely a factor here. But so this call was about how there have been some people... Start, there was a story on Lainey... Got, Lainey um, Elaine Louis blogged about it on Lainey Gossip. And then um, Sarah Nathan and Maria talked about it in page six. Uh, Met Gala has gone from super prestigious to being full of influencers. And like, I think that this is a very interesting conversation and it's definitely happening. But it's also like, I think just sort of a symptom of what's happening in culture. And I think overall, it's a good thing. It's like these people like Anna Wintour, the fact that Anna Wintour is literally the figurehead of this thing, I think is so yeah. perfect because it's like she it represents this you're old right. form you're of right. media, this old form of culture and society that just cannot stand anymore. And the fact that it's changing is completely expected and fine. But it is funny that it's so perfectly represented. It's like, the, literally the quote is that, I've heard that Facebook and Instagram have taken so many tables and that's put together a lot, a lot of people off going alongside the mask mandate. So this mm -hmm. person, this source is implying oh it's so you know it's so influencer heavy and facebook and instagram are buying up all the tables it's it's not even old school anymore we miss when it was all like toyota and coca-cola ad execs or whatever it's just like funny because on one hand i understand the notion to be like fuck facebook and instagram mm -hmm. but also it's like who do you think is going to keep this thing going because the Coca-Colas and Toyotas exactly. are no longer out here spending millions of dollars on this party, you know, because they simply yeah. don't, that's simply not in their budget as it was or not kind of the priority as it was or whatever, like. And look at this quote that's in the page six story. A publicist with A-list clients added, quote, personally, I don't think the Met is cool anymore. It's gone from super prestigious to being full of influencers. And it's like, of course you would say that because your definition of cool has not changed since like 1999. So like, like, look at your, look at your client list. Of course you're rigid in your ideas of what is and isn't cool. Like to me, I think to most people, I think it makes the Met Gala more interesting. As long as the fashion is expensive, as long as the venue stays expensive, I'm all for a wider variety of people showing up because the whole... Remember, if people are complaining about the Met Gala, they're complaining because people show up not following the fucking dress code and not having fun. And influencers are going to have more fun than the A-listers. So why not? You know, it'll yeah. get the A-listers to have more fun too. 
I just think people are so set on like seeing, you know, they want Gaga there. They want Sarah Jessica Parker there. They want, you know, I think it's nice if we have a mix of things like I'm grown. I'm groaning at Addison Ray like the rest of you because Addison Ray is simply uninteresting and won't be good. There are plenty of cool, like younger stars that will be good and will do this. It's just a matter of like surfacing those people to go to the Met Bar, mm-hmm. Met Gala, and not Addison Ray. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, people were against when Kim started going to the Met Gala, but Kim has pulled off so many great looks and like then yeah. brought Kanye like and that was thrilling. And that really like redefined the gala in a way because she was out here wearing stuff that got meme to hell. Remember the couch dress? Love that. Yes. When she was pregnant. I'm just saying like you need to fight your own instinct to be mad at this and see how it goes. Like and I also need to fight my own instinct to be mad about it because I obviously am like. I feel the same way in many ways, but it is kind of like ignorant to look at this and see it in only a way that doesn't involve like, how does this thing even sustain itself to continue, you know? Mm-hmm. Because yesterday's Addison Ray is tomorrow's like Timothy Chalamet. And I'm not saying that to be, I'm just, I don't think specifically Addison Ray. I mean, Addison Ray type. Tomorrow's influencer, yesterday's influencer is tomorrow's like superstar, you know? Yes. And I. Oh, totally. And I'm going to yeah. quote Lainey here, but she goes, none of this has been confirmed, but if we're to believe page six that there are TikTok stars invited, then we might as well believe page six when they reported previously that Beyonce, Rihanna, and J-Lo are going. And I don't know about you, but if you can get those three at the same party, how is this not a cool party? That's true. You need one Beyonce. That's it. People are getting nervous about this Met Gala, but really like this is a COVID issue like it's a COVID the only issue reason too. we're it, not seeing people people want to go to this yeah. fucking party they don't care yeah. who else is there I agree I agree and that's they, why this they're, whole they're conversation not certain because of Delta null and void. You, yeah. ca- you can't and this whole con- yeah you this conversation is null and void because ultimately what it comes down to is the young people who want press or don't give a shit about COVID and the older stars are like I actually do give a shit about COVID and like that's why I'm probably not going to go to this Met Gala you mm-hmm. cannot judge this kind of like who's going and has who's not going until literally we're out of this like pandemic in a way and like then you can say like oh things have changed things have changed i was mm-hmm. laughing because it says among those rumored to be attending <laughs> the post is told are tennis superstar venus williams okay uh singer sean mendez rosalia and lord okay great that means camila cabello i assume i just it's funny to not have camila and john okay unless she's promoting is- cinderella somewhere Lord is promoting album. I think she'll look amazing. That look is going to be incredible. Like, there's no way she's not going to turn out something interesting. Rosalia is definitely going to turn out something interesting. Then it gets funny. Saturday Night Live star Chloe Fineman, okay, and Mayor Bill de Blasio, who has long been invited but never <laughs> shown up before. Wow, guys, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cracking. He's going to show Anyways. up. He's going to show up wearing like a suit that has like a print of like Andrew just like also, covered in duty. Also, isn't the. <laughs> Isn't the gala like, isn't, aren't there like four or five like really cool, like not representatives, what are they calling them? Like muses or like hosting it, not judges. Like, isn't it Timothy and like, oh, it Naomi is Timothy Osaka Chalamet. And, it's um, um, Timothy Chalamet, uh, William Eyelash, Rosalia, Amanda <laughs> Gorman, and uh, Naomi Osaka. Okay, I gotta say, like, you gotta stop complaining. It's gonna be cool. Like, Billy and Rosalia. These are big stars. Like, they take fashion risks too. Like, it's going to be cool. Oh, you're sad that Sarah Jessica Parker's not going. Like, who cares? Uh- 
Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Can you talk about the icon, the moment, Devin Carlson? And what do you think her next career move would be for her to be officially become a them? I know for, like, young Gen Z girls, she is the number one it girl, the number one them for us, I'm going to say. <clears throat> Not to use brag. But, yeah. What will it take for Devin Carlson to become a them? Thank you. Crunch, crunch. Okay, not to be rude, but for this woman to become a them, I literally would have to have heard of her. <laughs> like, I never I'm, heard of her. I'm setting a stopwatch. We got to do this in 90 seconds. Okay, Devin Carlson. For this, for this woman to become a them, I literally would have to have heard of her. I've never heard of her at all. Like, I don't think that I'm the coolest or up on everyone or everything at all by any means. But this woman, you calling her an icon and legend broke my brain because I... Her name is literally just like boop, boop, boop to me. You know, like I don't even know her. And then when I looked her up, I was reading a paper magazine profile about her. It says, Devin Lee Carlson is the people's influencer. Sure, she's graced the covers of magazines, secured many a high fashion partnership, including hashtag ad posts for Burberry and tees for Marc Jacobs, and has been seen on the occasional yacht for best friend Bella Hadid's birthday celebrations. But nevertheless, she keeps it real. Footage of her latest TikTok dance challenge trials? Check. Frequent SpongeBob content? She's got you. BTS video footage on her YouTube channel about what goes into creating wildflower cases? Her iconic iPhone case brand? Always on top of mind. First of all, BTS is no longer stands for behind the scenes it stands for the band so stop using it stop calling (laughs) behind the scenes bts sorry that's it's now the band um and second of all i i'm still doing this in 90 seconds when you go to her like iphone case line i gotta say i'm like not blown away by the iphone cases they're They're like not that good no they're ugly they look like zazzle i mean all the different designs are cute but they look like zazzle anyways that's it that's 90 seconds Lindsay, Bobby, big news. Laura Freepon, Prepon, whatever, revealed that she has not been a Scientologist for five years. But if she's not a Scientologist, why are they keeping her in her scary YouTube kitchen? Who is keeping Laura Freepon in that weird bunker if it's not the Scientologist? What is the truth? Can you give me more information? French French. Me and Greece. Laura Prepon is not a Scientologist anymore. Here is what this shocked is, me about this. First of all, this is crazy news. This is so shocking. She gave a people exclusive. I'm worried about her safety kind of. She I hope she has like I know she has I just it's this is scary a little bit to come it's out. It's scary. And be it's like, leaving a cult. Yeah, yeah. It's scary. Yeah. People have given her shit for so long and I think rightfully and unrightfully so, I think shaming people for being in Scientology is really complicated, especially if it's something you grew up in. And also the way that they manipulate you, I think it is worth calling out when people are in Scientology because it's dangerous and occult and bad. Um, Yeah. And it seems like when this, when Laura married Ben Foster and had kids, part of that calling out started happening and mm -hmm. this realization started happening. Exactly. Right. So... Because her daughter's four, so her so this was five years ago. So this was about when she got pregnant. Let's let's guess. I'm guessing, right. you know. But the shocking thing here to me is that she waited five years to reveal it. Like I'm not I'm not yeah. doubting her. I believe that she left five years ago. I just think it's like the moment you leave this church, I feel like you'd want to shout it from the rooftops. This is a people exclusive. I'm assuming this is also in print. 
it must be. But it starts with oh, this Oh, yeah, this is an amazing quote. scoop for them. This is an amazing exclusive for them. This is definitely on the cover of or something. Must you know, be. Either cover story or something else but she says quote even if we have great relationships with our mothers it's complicated she adds i'm still learning from it my mother has alzheimer's and i have to come to terms with the fact that this woman who was an incredible force in my life is fading it's very hard to watch i just try to be there and stay present for the good moments we have new paragraph another change one that occurred several years ago but she's never shared until now is that she's no longer a scientologist and here's her quote about that quote i'm no longer practicing scientology i've always been very open-minded even since i was a child i was raised Catholic and Jewish. I've prayed in churches, meditated in temples. I've studied Chinese meridian theory. I haven't practiced Scientology in close to five years, and it's no longer Wait, a part of my life. Maybe she got it from the fucking what's it, the the, uh, the that '70s guy. She was an adult. She was a young adult when she joined Scientology. I don't know. It makes sense that maybe she joined because of Danny Masterson, like you said, Chris Masterson, the brother. Also, there's a reveal where she goes. These days, she finds solace in meditation, which she does with her husband, who has never practiced Scientology, which I think it was an important note because people, I was I was like, I thought for sure Ben Foster was a Scientologist. This kind of makes sense in terms of the timeline of her leaving. Like Ben Foster comes in, he's like, I'm not dealing with this shit. You can like take your time getting out of it or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, I and don't do did. that. I just meditate. I like, because Ben Foster had his own like weird upbringing with regards to like, because he even calls his childhood the things his parents did culty he said that in an interview Mm. he was like it was weird but i think largely they focused on meditation so he's Mm -hmm. like you know what let's replace this one thing in your life with this thing that's worked for me and it looked like it worked for her right they don't really dwell on scientology in this interview like it's kind of like that's our quote on it and then like we're moving on to like prep on kitchen or whatever like her kitchenware line and like all that so Mm -hmm. it's that's a that's huge i think i mean huge. she was one of the big names she was or one of the big ones and yeah. i mean we were we've Which called is... her out as a scientologist on the show before and apparently based on this she's probably not been a scientologist for about as long as we've had the show i still think her bunker kitchen is strange but <laughs> i will not associate with that with scientology anymore. her bunker <laughs> kitchen is so strange here's a weird thing that i realized i was looking for some laura prepon videos prep on videos i don't subscribe to her on youtube so i went to me i went to my youtube and i typed in laura prep on and i got the autofill and so i'm gonna read you the autofill on youtube okay laura preponderance scientology (laughs) laura preponderance and taylor Schilling. laura preponderance on ellen Laura Preponderance. <laughs> Laura Preponderance, that 70s show. Laura Preponderance, this interview. So Laura funny. Preponderance, Orange is the New Black. Laura Preponderance, husband. Laura Preponderance and Mila Kunis. Laura Preponderance and Taylor Schilling, interview. And I felt like my brain was glitching. I sent Lindsay the screenshot and she's like, wait, what? Then she finds a tweet from a private account that I've realized in retrospect was a joke. And it's that Laura Prepon's real name is Laura Preponderance. And I was like, wait, there's no way that's the case. And I was like, then why are people searching Laura Preponderance? And I realized that preponderance is a word. Prepon isn't. It's a last name. (laughs) Preponderance means, can you define preponderance? Preponderance is a noun. It's the quality or fact of being greater in number, quantity, or importance. Okay. And the, the, the auto search is because it's auto-correcting her name on your when phone. When you type so, in Prepon. So everyone who's typed in Laura Prepon and just didn't look at it, it auto-corrected to preponderance. So people are, so that has bubbled up to Google search, mm-hmm. which is killing me. 
And when you search Laura Prep on Kitchen, you get this. Hey guys, this is a really quick way to cook fish. Hey guys, this is a really good way to cook fish. I love her cadence <laughs> and her like tone. Hey guys. Hey guys. <laughs> I cannot believe we talk about Laura Prep on so much. Laura Prep on like... I love everything about her, but what I love the most is that they gave her those thin eyebrows for Orange is New Black, and she never got rid of them. That's iconic. She looks at an eyebrow trend, and she says, fuck you. Hey, guys. We're going to tell you about a new show called Jocular, hosted by ER Fightmaster, whom we've talked about on the podcast before, TN Tran and Katie Kershaw. They're comedians, they're writers, and they're also best friends who are obsessed with women's sports. Kind of like I'm becoming obsessed with women's sports. <laughs> you sort are. of. Kind you of. Are. A little you bit. Are. You are. They're exploring all things queer, trans, and women-focused in the world of sports. And in each episode, they'll cover the latest games, debate pressing issues, and review how they're all really horny for basically everyone in the game. This is every time I talk to someone who's a fan of women's sports, like a genuine fan of women's sports, not like a newbie like me. They're like, horny, 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 horny. I'm horny for all of them. I know. They're always crushing on people in the game. But that's why it's like we need a podcast that's not us to kind of tell us what we're supposed to care about, who we're supposed to care about, who's hot and who's sexy and who we're paying attention to. Yes. And that's what Jocular is for. Friends and experts will join to share their takes on sports ranging from women's basketball to soccer to power slapping. I don't even know what power slapping is, but I'm in. So tune in every Friday for new episodes of Jocular on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts now. Hi, Bobby Lindsay. So lately, a lot on TikTok, I've been seeing remixes of cupcake songs. And I know I've heard that name before because she's been on Charlie XCX songs, but who is Cupcake and why is she all of a sudden everywhere on TikTok? Crunch, crunch. The best part of this is that the song that it comes from, which I believe... It's Vagina. It's It's from Vagina. It's called Vagina. It's off the album. Mm -hmm. Cupcake. It's such a good song. Mm-hmm. Slurp that dick till it comes. Smack my ass like a drum. Cupcake is, she's been around for a really long time, but I do think that like she very much lives in the realm of like explicit rap so that it's mm-hmm. hard for her to like break through. Like you thought wet ass pussy was like R rated or whatever. Scandalous. It's like you haven't heard Cupcake's vagina, you know? I didn't know about Cupcake until Charlie, which I guess was. Because cup- yeah, Charlie, Charlie released her first two, Cupcake right? song on Pop 2. Then she put Cupcake on. She put Cupcake on, um, what is that? Number One Angel. She, Cupcake's on Number One Angel on a track. Oh, really? That's just her. But then she's on Pop 2 and the Charlie album with like Pablo Vitar and Brooke Candy, whom I already loved. Brooke Candy, similarly, really explicit rap. Like Brooke Candy's music is not going to play on the radio, even though she's really not making music anymore. She's mostly just doing tattoo artistry, right, which right. is very cool. She was on cool. lip gloss. The song she was on lip was gloss. On yes, she was on lip gloss. Mm-hmm. But like Cupcake's music, thank you, Charlie, for introducing me to it. It's just like really explicit, which is why I think the it's the contrast. It's the juxtaposition of, you know, something as like chaste as Dancing Queen mixed with, like, Cupcake having an orgasm on the mic. They're so funny. That, that Whenever I see one, I crack up. Like, will you play the driver's license one? I just can't imagine how you could smack me. 
and she's kind of had like ups and downs. I remember reading kind of about her. She like quit social. She was getting like a lot of shit. There was a while where she was like, she was like, I have a gambling addiction. She definitely has been off and on and like had to deal with a lot of crap. But Mm -hmm. I do think that she's kind of like back on. And this is like kind of a really fun way to be like back in the culture in that way. Because she really does like have a very specific place in culture that I think is so fun. And also she's just like an incredible rapper. So it's not a shame. But the reason that I think she hasn't burst into themdom as quickly as maybe other rappers is just because her music is like immutably explicit. Like it really just can't be on the radio without essentially just being blank. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's like, you know, there isn't, you know, wet ass pussy, like, like WAP, you know, they figured out how to make that wet and gushy or whatever. She would have to make a new version of every single lyric in her music. And that's just, she's not going to do that. She doesn't want to compromise that. And that's totally something you should respect. But it's like, at least her music has a place. It's just funny that her, the place is on TikTok. Although I guess it's pretty expected in these, these days. Anyway, she's fun. The TikTok's trend's fun. It's nice when a TikTok trend is like, like having fun with a song and the artist like fully gets it and, and like is, likes and it's it. like everyone's like on the same page of like smack my ass like a drum is so funny like it's mm-hmm. not even that explicit it's hilarious <laughs> mm-hmm. and even in her new song there's a line of how she's like disappointed with female rappers these days so it's like just another thing like oh she, she wrote a whole diss track against like megan the stallion like she's she, she's like, definitely trying to like stir up you know uh, this interview, she she performed at Yale a couple of years ago, and she interviewed she was interviewed by the Yale like newspaper or whatever, and they said, "What do you make of people at Yale who say your lyrics are too raunchy for performance here?" And she goes, "I don't know about none of that. If you did see something like that, I'm just now hearing it from you first, so I don't have a response." The response would be, "Oh well, who gives a fuck what it is? I don't have to. I'm not going to explain. Like, oh my gosh, why would she come to Yale because of this? No, I'm coming to Yale. This is what it is, and I'm about to perform and make everyone scream, suck dick." And then <laughs> the reporter goes, "What was that last part again?" And she goes, "I'm going to perform and make everyone scream the sexual lyrics. They're going to scream and they're going to love it." They're are going to love the whole performance. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's also Yale invited her. Like, why is she there to answer for that? It's like, they yeah. invited me, they're paying me, I'm here, and they know what my lyrics are, and I plan to yell them. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Okay, next call. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The vagina to investigate Mom. and the dick to prosecute. My ass. These are their stories. Uh-huh. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. This is Adair and Sophie. Long time, long time, long time, long time. If you can settle a disagreement, we had to pause the credits um, to call in because Sophie thinks that um, it might be the same for Shirley Temple as it is for Arnold Palmer. The drink has surpassed the fame. I think she's a cultural icon. I disagree. I'm just curious to know what you think. Thanks. Bye. This is tough. I mean, I was (laughs) so happy to call Arnold Palmer the man a who last week. But I feel like Shirley Temple, even uh, though, uh, uh, uh. I feel like Shirley Temple. Okay, Shirley Temple, the drink. One, two, three, them. Them, like okay. Roy Rogers, which is the Coke version of it. Not of them. Yeah. Shirley Temple, the person. One, two, three, them. them. She's like the first child star. I feel like Shirley Temple is a more famous person than Arnold Palmer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think not necessarily because of that, but that is more proof that Shirley Temple the person is more is themier than Shirley Temple the drink. Right. Do you, do we agree on that? Sure. Yeah, we do. Okay. We agree. 
We agree. Okay. Well, we, we sailed this good ship lollipop all the way to an answer. Great. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. Uh, medium time, medium time. Quick question. Does Paula Dean know who Polly B is? Mm, Godspeed, Bella Hadid. Love you, bye. Does Paula Dean, uh, disgraced chef, know who Polly D, uh, I don't know, DJ and Jersey Shore star? Disgraced is? DJ. <laughs> disgraced DJ. No, he's um, not disgraced. The answer is no. No. Nope. There's no fucking nope. way. Nope. There's no And I way do not have to show my work. Hell. Yeah, my work no. is understood. <laughs> my work no should way. be clear. There's no way. Sorry. <laughs> Next call. Paula Deen's TV has been turned to the Weather Channel for 50 years. <laughs> Hi, Lindy Bobby. Um, had to pause the pod. Also, long time, first time. Had to pause the pod on my way home from work. She was talking about uh, Lucy Hill getting the <laughs> tattoo on her shush finger. And it made me think, is there a who and the them of the fingers? I would say the pointer finger slash shush finger is a them. But I can't really think of who's a who besides maybe the pinky? Maybe? Maybe the ring finger? I just don't know. And I don't know if you guys even want (laughs) to think about it as much as I am. All right. yeah, uh, grateful for Sharna. Well, the only them finger to me is my co-host. But oh, if you're asking about the hand, yeah. you're welcome. If you're asking about the hand, which I'd love to get into, I would say they're all thems. But I'm really order- surprised you want to get into this. <laughs> but <laughs> Me too. But if we're going from who to them, they're all thems. But if we're going from who to them and the fingers, I would say thumb is number one because that's special to us, like opposable thumb, you know? Yeah. Right. And is this one of those things where it's like, a thumb is not a finger? I think technically a thumb is a finger. Don't right? wait. Isn't that what like, is that conver- I don't even want to know that conversation. What is that conversation? No, I don't want to know. What is it? I don't want to know. That's a conversation. Medically, is it is a thumb a finger? It's a digit, but not technically a finger. No, that's get, stupid. No, that's dumb. No, it's a, it's on this on podcast, on this podcast, thumbs are fingers. I'm sorry. And they're crucial. Then I would say number two is. The pointer finger because you're you're pointing a lot. We use a lot for pointing. Also known as the sh finger. Yes. Okay. The shish finger. Then I think honestly, it's kind of a tie between the middle and the ring because the ring is like, oh, it's our ring finger. Like the wedding band goes on it, and middle is important because that's what used to flip people off. I would argue the middle is like slightly edges out the ring. Yes. I don't even think it's a question. I think it's because I don't you even think it's can wear your wedding ring on any finger. Who gives a fuck? Uh-huh. But you can't flip anyone off without your middle finger. You need that yeah. one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the ring finger is just you know it's a symbol of the patriarchy. I just it can't is, get and we have it. to get rid of it. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, we have to get rid of it. Um, and then maybe the pinky. Although maybe the pinky, maybe the use. Now you're saying that the ring finger is a symbol of the patriarchy. I think pinky edges out ring, and ring is the hooiest finger. Yeah, maybe it is the hooiest finger. Because it's a finger that we focus on. You know what I hate? What was that movie where the poster involves them sticking up their ring finger like it's a, like it's a middle finger? The Family Stone. Absolutely hate that. <laughs> the Family Absol- Stone. Absolutely. She's holding up the ring. Hate that. Hate that. Yeah. Gotta go. Family hate stone. that. So I think we're in agreement, right? So so maybe it is. We go thumb, index, middle, pinky, 
ring. Okay. I think all these fingers are thems, right? All of them are thems. Yeah, true. And I've definitely sliced them all off at various points of my life. Not off, but, you know, sliced through each of them. And if someone's like, eh, the thumb isn't a finger, then take the thumb out of the equation. Fine. Keep the rest of them in order and nothing's changing. Yeah. Nothing's Thank you. changing. Thank you. Also, the thumb okay. does count. I don't really. The thumb does count. I hate count. that argument. I, mean, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. The thumb is a phalanx and the fingers are phalanx. If I, if I can cut them with my mandolin, they are my fingers. <laughs> they count. <laughs> if my mandolin can slice through them like iconically slice through them, which has happened to every single one of my fingers, then then they count as fingers. If I can scrape the knuckles of one of them when I'm grating cheese, because that <laughs> always happens, it's a finger. It's a finger. Next you've, call. You've scraped your thumb knuckle? Wow, ouch. I get really fucking violent whenever I'm shredding cheese, especially if it's a hard cheese. No, I actually, soft it. cheeses I are harder. Soft cheeses it. are harder. Yeah, you're Pop right, them in the freezer. Pro tip. Fucking... Pop the soft cheese in the freezer before you shred them. Oh my god! I never thought so to do that. Yeah, give it like a give it like a ten to fifteen, and then it'll oh be a little my harder. God. Okay, then you can right. shred. Sandra Dean over here. D oh Dean oh I just mixed her two names. Sandra D over here. Hi, Who Weekly. Um, long time, first time. Question about Hunter Fieri, the son of Guy Fieri and heir heir apparent to the the triple D and triple G kingdoms. He's been showing up a lot on his dad's shows recently. It's very clear that Guy is trying to to groom him, nepotism him. Uh, but so I, I guess the question is, Hunter Fury, who were them? I don't know if it's possible that Guy's, like, true themness is so powerful that, like, him kind of sidekicking hunter all the time makes hunter kind of them i don't think that's the um i don't think that's the case but then my second question is um the most recent guy fieri just posted a birthday tribute to hunter and he was like to my best friend my wingman blah blah blah. so i have a second question which is is it weird to be best friends with your dad or best friends with your son crunch crunch love you bye Okay, I have no comment about whether it's okay to be best friends with your dad or son. I'm not wading into that conversation. I'm going to say no comment at all. No comment. Um, but. Guy Fieri, who are them? Let's start. One, two, three. Them. Them. Okay, okay, okay them. Okay. Hunter Fieri. Guy Fieri's son. And he will soon inherit Flavortown. He will rule Flavortown with an iron fist. With an iron goatee. Hunter Fieri. Oh who God, are them? One, two, three. Who? Who? For sure. If you pay attention to the Guy Fieri empire, you know that Hunter is heir apparent. But I haven't I watched Triple D in so long. Do think that Hunter is very fortunate because he's inheriting the throne, or he will inherit the throne. I think Guy Fieri is going to grasp onto this throne till his dying gasp. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. He should. He's deserving of it. He he earned it. But I do think that Hunter is very lucky because he's getting the like later era guy in which he's like the narrative has been totally switched from being like this guy's embarrassing to this guy's an angel and we love and respect him. So it's like kind of this incredible thing for uh, an oppor- incredible opportunity for Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And I, without saying anything, hmm. without making any allegations, mm-hmm. I just think if you're interested in Guy Fieri as I am, 
Look into the story from 2013 when he got into a big-ass fight with his hairdresser. Because oh, it's interesting. You are not opening that it's, can of worms on this podcast. I'm not going to open it up here. I'm just saying if you, you would like to open up a it. can of worms, the worms open are it at out home. And they're all over the place. And they smell like donkey sauce. <laughs> open up that can in the privacy of your own home. And uh, find your way onto the message boards that talk about it, and it will blow your mind. That's a great way to end the show, because if you made it this far, you deserve that tea. And you can go yes. find it yourself. And the other tea is that our tickets are on sale yeah, to on the sale. general public for our tour. Well, they were already on sale with the code WWLive, which I believe was not working for some people. But I have reached out to them and said, email us, and we'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, today, when this episode is out, you... Uh, 10 a.m. This episode will be out earlier than 10 a.m., but at 10 a.m., tickets are on sale to the general today. So by the time you're hearing this, probably they're on sale for you anyways. So just go get a ticket to see us on tour. We're so excited to bring you this show, but in person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hopefully we can get a booster shot before. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, We will... See you all later. Thank you so much for listening. Support us on patreon.com slash weekly for bonus episodes and more content. Thank you to Katie and Eric of The Who's for providing our Rita theme song on Tuesdays. Rate and reviews on Apple Podcasts, please. Those are so helpful to us and fun to read. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye. Have a great weekend. Bye. Hey guys, this is a really quick way to cook fish. Hi, frequent caller. Um, I just have to pause when you're doing Who Them Kirsten Dunst because Kiki is an eternal them. Her roles make her an eternal them. Like her iconic roles bring it on. Everybody knows who Kirsten Dunst is forever. Like she's eternally a them, eternally. All generations know who she is. Period. And, by the way, she, Lindsay, you mentioned that she used to be, like, a Rodarte muse. She was in Rodarte ads, like, last year. Like, I feel like she's still kind of doing that. And I feel like if she gets the right role, like, she could win an Oscar. She's, she's eternally a them. Crunch, crunch. Uh, hey, Lindsay Bobby. Quick Gen Z reporting. Um, you were talking about Kirsten Dunst not having really, like, iconic roles. Um, and I think for my age, lower 20s, um, Kirsten Dunst in Spider-Man was pretty iconic, but definitely more iconic than Garden State. I don't really know if anyone who wasn't, like, in the specific age group to be obsessed with Garden State is watching Garden State. Um, yeah, that's it. Long time, long time. No, I mean, race. Wait, yeah. Mix it up. Okay, bye. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, you guys are fully insane. Kirsten Dunst is 100% of them. I'm 20 years old, and I've never seen a single movie that she's in, but I know who she is. And I have seen all the photos you're talking about of her eating a salad. But it's mostly just because she was in the Spider-Man movies. And everyone, I haven't, but everyone else has seen the Spider-Man movies. I guarantee I could ask any of my friends, and they would 100% know who Kirsten Dunst is. She's a them. Like, very much so. Crunch, crunch. Hi, Who Weekly. Just pause the most recent episode when you were talking about Kirsten Dunst not being a fashion reference for the youth. And I believe that Virgin Suicides is probably still every basic 
young girl's fantasy come true and every young gay boy's inner fantasy come true. I'm pretty sure that she's still probably even bigger than ever now because that sort of sad girl, you know, cottage core type of thing is still very big with the the Gen Z crew. So uh, I would say Kirsten Dunst is still 100% of them, at least when it comes to being a reference for dressing. This is an awful call. Crunch, crunch. Hi, Weekly. I had to pause uh, last week's um, Who's There to respond to the hooing of Kirsten Dunst. Are you guys... Do you all have Big Macs in the brain? Sorry, I'm passing McDonald's. Big Mac. It's Mac. Um, Kristen Dunst is 100% of them. I understand that she is not, like, as big as she used to be, but truly, like, as the star of Bring It On, which is still so huge, and is the original um, MJ from, like, I mean, I guess not original, but the original of, like, our modern era... Spider-Man MJ's, like, that kiss is iconic, her face is all over, she's a meme, um, of her and Jake Gyllenhaal at that restaurant is a meme, she's, I can't, I can't accept her as a who, she's just, the impact is too large, even if it has minimized in the past few years, also, like, everyone, not everyone, but people love that interview about her and Jesse Plemons and how they got together, that's made the rounds plenty of times. Um, I don't think that's just, like, a cultural touchstone. You have to be a certain age kind of thing. Like, her impact is very big. Even if she's a little bit quieter now, um, I still think she's very much of them. Very much of them. Just too many iconic things on the roster for her to be a who. Yeah. I don't think just because your latest projects are quiet makes you a who. If you've had, I am just rambling, but you know, I have to, I, I gotta, I gotta stand up for Kristen. She, she really is, she's an icon. Okay, bye. Hey, Lindsay and Bobby. Is 50 Cent the first person to feud with both Remy Ma and Remy Martin? Grateful for China. Hi. Um, I accidentally started watching a Patrick Schwarzenegger movie, and I would just like to know how I can repay my debt to society for such a heinous action. Crunch, crunch.